<clears throat> Thank everybody for showing up tonight. Appreciate y'all. We're going to walk through a series. And, you know, I was visiting with a friend today of the ministry, and um, one of the things that just kind of laid heavy on me today was one thing that we had talked about is when we moved into this house is this house will be a house of discipleship and um, you know we were all on board with that before we even moved in so discipleship can come in many forms it can come in the form of Bible studies like we're doing now Bible study series it can simply come in the form of a phone call in the middle of the night that's you know you need somebody to talk to or um, or sometimes it's a phone call or a message saying hey I'm talking to somebody about scripture but I've lost track of you know what it is I'm trying to say or where to find that scripture um, but sometimes it's just being there for people so that is something that I want to make sure everybody's comfortable with this is a house of discipleship you know there's a lot of <clears throat> I came to truth through prophecy and um, one thing that I had noticed is <clears throat> when God is trying to tell you something in prophecy, he will find different ways in different places of Scripture to confirm it. There will be two or three confirmations of a similar, like the coming of the Antichrist. There are two or three different description depictions of it from different viewpoints, but it's confirming each other as well. Well, the same thing goes true with the plan of salvation. There are confirmations in Scripture that confirm what the salvation plan is. So we always want to talk um, salvation. I'm kind of a current news buff and how today's news fits in with Bible prophecy and kind of where we stand on that timeline of everybody wants to know where, where do you think we are on the timeline of prophecy. So that's kind of what our ministry does. But above all, I think we're... Above all that, Christ said to go make disciples. So... Um, I just, again, that's just my opening. Tonight we're going to learn about, there's outlines here. You're welcome to take an outline if everybody's got one. That wants one. Uh, most, a lot of people here have been through this series already. And then we'll have an open discussion afterwards and we'll just, we'll just talk whatever's on everybody's mind. It doesn't have to be on today's topic. It can be on today's news. It can be just anything else that you want to talk about. So feel free to just open up. And we're going to go right straight to, does anybody have any questions? Tonight's lesson is the United States discovered in the Bible. I think it's a fantastic lesson to start the series off with. It's kind of a grab your attention. Um, a lot of prophetic, a lot of the prophecy in the Bible is through the lens of being a, uh, in Israel or a Jewish person. It's prophecy mainly for Israel. But there are other countries, other nations. The United States is in the Bible. Um, a lot of people want to know what their their specific country's prophecy is, um, and we'll get into some of that. But tonight we're going to see all the a lot of the major countries that you're familiar with and the United States are discovered in the Bible.
We're going to be discussing today what I believe is the most exciting prophecy in the entire Bible. Our subject, the United States of America discovered in the Bible. And believe it or not, we're going to give absolute proof that 2,500 years ago, the United States of America was prophesied by Almighty God. It's going to be exciting. Now, this is the first lesson in a series called Understanding the End Time. I know a lot of people, when you, as soon as you say end time, they say, whoa, the end of the world. When's it going to be? And you can see this mask of fear sort of come over their face. But we're not talking about the end of the world right now. When we say end time, we're talking about the end of the time of human government and the beginning of the kingdom of God. The scripture is crystal clear that there's going to be another 1,000 years of human existence. The Bible says Jesus Christ will come back. He will rule and reign on earth for 1,000 years. There will be no war for 1,000 years. So when we say end time, we're not talking about the end of time. We're talking about the end of human government. We know that mankind has been allowed to rule himself for a period of time in order to learn that he cannot rule himself. Then uh, Jesus Christ is going to come. He's going to establish his kingdom, a kingdom that will never pass away and never be destroyed. I hope that you will not miss one segment of understanding the end time because I've had many people tell me it's changed their life forever. We want to go to the scripture right now. Daniel chapter number 12 and verse number 9 is one of my very favorite scriptures. Now, Daniel is one of the two most famous prophecy books of the entire Bible. You have the book of Revelation. You have the book of Daniel. Daniel wrote the entire book. We find him now in the last chapter of the book of Daniel. And he's praying to understand his own writings. But when we get to verse number 9 of Daniel chapter 12, God answers his prayer. Now, you know, sometimes God does not answer prayers the way we want him to. He answers prayers the way we need him to. And sometimes when God tells us, no, we don't like it. But let me tell all of you out there that a no is as good as a yes. Because if something's not good for me, I want God to tell me no. And of course, I always like it when he tells me yes. So Daniel's praying to understand his own writings here in Daniel 12, verse number nine. Listen to what God said to Daniel. Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till a particular time, till the time of the end. Now think about this. This was 550 BC, and yet God said, nobody's going to understand these prophecies until the time of the end. You and I are in the time of the end right now. So we're understanding things that have never been understood before. It doesn't mean we're smarter than all the people before us. It does not mean we're more spiritual than all the people before us. It merely means that Almighty God in His sovereignty said, I am going to place end time prophecy in the hands of the people of the end time. And I have to believe he made that decision because he wanted to use prophecy to generate one last great end time revival. One more time, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. 
let's look at the prophecy now. It's found in Daniel chapter number 7, verse 1 through 3. Now, remember, our subject is the United States of America discovered in the Bible. Starting with verse number 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. Now, we know that prophecy is written in symbols. So what do these symbols actually stand for? Well, we don't have to guess. First of all, he saw four beasts. He saw a lion with eagle's wings. He saw a bear, a leopard, and a ten-horned beast. That's the vision of Daniel chapter number 7. But what do these beasts actually symbolize? We don't have to guess. And you're going to find this with most prophecies. They're written in symbols, but you don't have to indiscriminately guess what the symbols are. If you will continue reading in the chapter where the prophecy is given, almost without exception, the symbols are interpreted for us. So we're not pinning the tail on the donkey here, or we're not resorting to some private interpretation, but we're allowing the Bible to actually tell us what these symbols mean. Well, that's the case with this wonderful prophecy in the book of Daniel chapter number seven. Notice what it says in verse number 17. These great beasts which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. Now that's easy. It says it right there. The beasts symbolize kings. But that's not all it says because if you go on down to verse number 23, it continues by saying, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth which shall be diverse from all kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth. So in verse 17, it says the beast symbolize kings. In verse number 23, it says the beast symbolize kingdoms. So then what does this tell us? This allows us to reach this conclusion. These beasts symbolize a kingdom or a nation along with the ruler of that kingdom or nation. And you'll find out that this remains consistent throughout both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Question number two. So we know these beasts are nations that will be on the earth at some time. Now we know that this prophecy was given 2,500 years ago. So maybe it's already been fulfilled. Maybe it was fulfilled 1,000 years ago or 1,500 years ago. And it's basically irrelevant to you and me. Or we know there's another 1,000 years coming. Maybe it'll be fulfilled 500 years from now. But then there's always the possibility that this prophecy is for now and that these nations that God is telling us about, maybe they exist on the earth right now. So can we tell from the scripture when these nations will exist? Let's look now at verse number 9. Now, Daniel in verse 1 through 8 has described these four beasts, a lion with eagle's wings, a bear, a leopard with four heads, and a ten-horned beast. Then he gets to verse number 9, and he says, I beheld till the thrones were cast down. The thrones of these nations or kingdoms. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit. This is simply describing the transition from the kingdom of human government to the kingdom of God. 
The Bible teaches repeatedly that when Jesus Christ comes, he will remove all human governments and he will establish a kingdom that will never pass away and never be destroyed. So he sees all these beasts, their thrones are now cast down and Jesus Christ is crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. We move into the 1,000 year reign of Jesus Christ into what is called in scripture, the kingdom of God. Now, beyond this, we go on down to verse number 11, and Daniel backs up. It's like he sort of said, oh, I forgot to tell you something here. In verse number 11, Daniel said, I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain and body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Now, let's pause here because there's a lot to take in. What are we talking about? I watched until the voice of the great words which the horn spake. Okay, what's the horn? The last beast has 10 horns. We're going to learn a little bit later in the lesson who these 10 horns actually are. But let me give you a little bit of a sneak preview. The scripture says these 10 horns are 10 kings which will form a federation and out of these 10 kings, another will raise up, uproot three of them and become very great. And that horn becomes the Antichrist. The scripture tells us these horns are kings. So we have one beast, one kingdom, but 10 kings apparently in alliance. And then another comes after them, uproots three, becomes great. And that, according to this chapter, that man ends up ruling the entire world until Jesus comes. We know from other scripture that the Antichrist rules the entire world until Jesus comes. So this is a prophecy about the Antichrist. I beheld then because of the words which the Antichrist spake, I beheld even until him and his kingdom, the beast. Now, there are several terms that are used for this last day dictator called the Antichrist. He's called in the scripture, the man of sin, the son of perdition. He's called that wicked one. He's called the little horn. He's called the beast most often. He's also called the Antichrist. These are all synonymous terms for this last day world leader that's going to rule in this world. So Daniel said, I watched and I heard the the words that the horn spake, the Antichrist spake. I beheld even until the Antichrist, the beast, was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Now, the scripture teaches us that when Jesus Christ comes, the Antichrist and his religious partner, the false prophet, are going to be cast into the lake of fire at that time. Satan will also be bound for 1,000 years in the bottomless pit. So that's what this is referring to. Another picture of this is in Revelation chapter 19, verse 20. So you can see a New Testament version of this incident. It states there, and the beast was taken, the Antichrist, and with him the false prophet, his religious partner. There'll be a political leader and a spiritual leader. They both were taken and were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. So we're dealing with the time when Jesus Christ comes back and destroys the Antichrist. Now the next verse is the most important. I want to make sure you get this because it's verse 12, immediately following the previous verse, verse 11, as concerning the rest of the beast. Now don't forget, what are beasts? East are kingdoms or nations, right? So as concerning the rest of the nations, the other nations, not the ten horned beast, but the other nations in the prophecy that are symbolized by the other beast, when Jesus destroys the Antichrist, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Okay, now this is a critical point. Don't miss this point. 
they have their dominion taken away when the Antichrist is destroyed. We know that happens at the end of human government and the beginning of the kingdom of God. The rest of these nations have their power taken away, but yet their lives are going to be prolonged into the millennium because the Bible teaches there will be human beings on this earth for another 1,000 years. Those people that survived the great tribulation and the wrath of God will then move as mortals into the 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches there will still be death during the millennial reign. There will still be birth during the millennial reign. Now, this is except for those people who are biblically born again. They will have been caught up to meet the Lord in the air at his coming, and the Bible says they will rule and reign as kings and priests with Jesus Christ. So this scripture says, as concerning the rest of the nations, they have their power, their dominion taken away, yet their lives are prolonged for a season at a time. So they're going to be allowed to live in the millennium. Now, what does this then tell us? This tells us that all these nations in this prophecy will exist on the earth at the time that the Antichrist is killed by Jesus Christ. They're all going to be on the earth at the time of the second coming. Now, this is an incredible thing for all of us to understand. Now, what this tells us is that Jesus Christ will return to earth during the lifetime of these nations. When I saw this, I thought, you know, if I can prove that these nations exist now, I can prove that we're in the era of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Can't nail it down to a date, but I can prove that we're in the era. Now, I want to invite you to go with me back to the first eight verses, and let's see, let's examine each of these beasts to see if they're recognizable as nations on earth today. Now, I understand that many people have taught, oh, I already know all this stuff, the lion's Babylon, the bear's media, Persia, the leopard is Greece, the ten-horned kingdom is Rome. Now, that's been the commonly accepted explanation of this prophecy. And I accepted that when I started studying Bible prophecy. However, I went on to chapter 8, and I noticed in chapter 8 there was a ram fighting with a he-goat. I thought, well, what is this? And I read on down in verse 20 of chapter 8, it tells us who the ram is and who the he-goat is. It says, the ram which thou sawest, having two horns, are the kings of Media Persia. And the rough goat is the king of Greece. Now, when I saw that, I said, now, wait a minute. Everybody's telling me that the bear is Media Persia and the leopard is Greece. But right here in the Bible, it says that the ram is Media Persia and the he-goat is Greece. Has God changed his mind from chapter 7 to chapter 8? Or are we missing something? And furthermore, don't forget that all these nations must be on the earth at the time of the second coming. Is Babylon still here? Is Media Persia still here? Is Greece still here? Is Rome still here? Well, the answer to some of that is yes. To the, answers, the answer to others of that is no. Uh, the kingdom of Babylon does not exist any longer. The kingdom of Media Persia does not exist any longer. So the prophecy says that the, the beast of Daniel 7 represent nations that will all be on the earth at the time of the second coming. Let's go now and look at these one by one. Daniel chapter number 7, verse number 4. The first beast was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. Okay, 
the first beast was like a lion. When God picked symbols to represent nations, he didn't pick them indiscriminately. He picked symbols that would have meaning at the time of the prophetic fulfillment. Now, can you believe that there's actually a nation on earth today whose recognized animal symbol is the lion? Go to Webster's Third International Dictionary. Under lion, it says a symbol of a country, Great Britain. I remember going to London, to Trafalgar Square, which is the center square of London. And I saw these huge lines looking north, south, east, and west. And then all over London, I saw the lion. Because by then, I knew that the lion is the official emblem of Great Britain. So then God is telling us that Great Britain is going to be one of the nations that will be on the earth at the time of his second coming. Well, let's look at the next beast then. This is verse number five. And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, and it raised itself up on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it, and they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. Do you know that there's a major nation today whose recognized symbol is the bear? Now, most of you are ahead of me right now because this one is commonly known. We know that Russia is the symbol of the bear. I'll never forget when I picked up Time Magazine, May the 21st, 1984, and there on the front page was this huge grizzly bear. And the caption said, Olympic turmoil, why the Soviets said yet. What had happened was we had boycotted, the United States had boycotted the Olympics in 1980, so the Soviet Union decided to retaliate by boycotting the Olympics in 1984. Well, Time wanted to carry a story on the announcement by the Soviet Union that they were going to boycott the Olympics. So they uh, produced this cover for Time magazine. Now, think about this, how supernatural this is. Can you imagine the editor of Time magazine calling all the graphic artists in and saying, okay, I want you to create a cover that in just one picture, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words, that... This cover will depict the boycotting of the Olympics by Russia. And I can see all the graphic artists scrambled back to uh, their drawing board because, of course, having your artwork on the front cover, this is before the age of computer art, of course, having your artwork on the front cover of Time magazine, the most widely distributed news magazine in America, is quite an honor. And real quickly, they're all back there working. And somewhere in his cubicle, one graphic artist, it's like the light came on his brain. And he thought, I got it. The Russian bear. I'll just put the bear biting the Olympic rings in two. And he knew he, I know I've got it. And the angel over his shoulder nodded. You got it all right. And faded. And they put these symbols from your Bible from Daniel chapter 7 on the front page of the most widely distributed magazine. And the atheist looked at it and never heard the voice of God. But today we hear it because God said in the days of Great Britain, the lion, and the days of Russia, the bear, I'm going to come back. Now, the, the evidence is out there. It's an amazing thing. The Economist magazine, the periodical of kings and presidents on the front page, 
page of the Economist, the cover, February 6th through 12th edition. This Economist magazine is called the Periodical of Kings and Presidents. The Economist magazine, they got, again, a bear symbolizing Russia. It's used, if you look for it, you'll find it 50, 100 times because God knew when he gave the prophecies to Daniel that those of us who are in the time of the end that are supposed to understand them, he knew that we would have access to this information and it would make so much sense to us. Now, do you get the message? In the days of Great Britain and Russia, Jesus Christ is going to come back and establish his kingdom. That's the reason I told you this was going to be very exciting. Oh, by the way, I picked up the Indianapolis Star uh, back in 1980, and I've been studying these prophecies. And there it was on the editorial page of all places in a secular newspaper. The headline read, After the British Lion, the Russian Bear. And I went, Whoa, this is unbelievable. So here God is with his symbols that he put in the Bible in 550 B.C., on the editorial page of the Indianapolis Star, and they don't have a clue, but we do, and that's so exciting. Oh, by the way, there's one more thing I've got to tell you, and I've got to tell you about the lion a little bit more because it states there that the lion had eagle's wings. This is back in verse number four, and I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth. Now, there's a major nation today whose recognized symbol is the eagle. You probably already got this one because it's on the back of your dollar bill. But the eagle's wings were growing out of the lion. Now, let me ask you, where did the United States of America come from? We came out of Great Britain. That's our mother country. But yet this was written 2,300 years before America was even born. But God knows the end from the beginning, and he wants you and me to understand that we are living in the end time right now. I'm not telling you the end time is coming. I'm telling you, you live in it right now. We are the the generation for which these prophecies were preserved. Go thy way, Daniel. The words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Well, the time of the end has arrived. Now, there's something else here that you need to note. The Bible tells us that the wings that were growing out of Great Britain, our mother country, Daniel said, I beheld till the wings were plucked. He saw the breaking away of the United States of America from Great Britain. Can you believe that he saw the Declaration of Independence in 550 B.C.? But he never knew what he saw. He prayed to understand it. But God said, no, seal it up, Daniel. That's for the people of the time of the end. That's for you and me. So I watched until the wings thereof were plucked. It was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. Oh, by the way, this is probably not biblical, or this is probably not really part of this prophecy understanding, but this is chapter number 7, verse number 4. And when was the Declaration of Independence actually made? Uh, 7 4 1776. I don't think that's really significant, but it's a point of interest nonetheless. So we have the eagle on the back of the U.S. dollar bill. We have the eagle used continually to depict the United States of America. You see it on governmental documents all the time. And God knew in advance that we would use that symbol. And he said, I want the people that live in the United States of America to know that they live in the time of my second coming. Here's Time Magazine, October 27, 1980. At that time, a lot of tension was in the person. Gulf, the Middle East, 
where there's still a lot of tension. And the caption said, will it explode? The eagle and the bear, straight from Daniel, chapter number seven. They're looking pensively over the globe and the fuse is lit. And the caption says, will it explode? So God is using on the in the prophecy, exactly what's on the front cover of Time Magazine. Sometimes I think God should sue Time Magazine for copyright infringement because they're using the symbols straight from the Bible. Why? So you and me can understand. Also, the Bible says that when the eagle's wings were plucked, it was made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. We have another symbol, the symbol of Uncle Sam. On September the 9th of 1988, we saw a picture of Uncle Sam nose to nose with the Russian bear. And the caption said, USA, USSR, Glasnost, there will be more of this. So here we see all these symbols right from the Bible being used today because the Lord said this is for the people of the time of the end. Jesus Christ will return to the earth in the era of Great Britain, Russia, and the United States of America. We're going to go to the next beast, the leopard. It's found in verse number 6 of Daniel chapter 7. Listen to it. After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl, and the beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. What are we dealing with here? This is where I got stuck. I'd understood the lion, the bear, the eagle's wings. And when I saw it, I thought, well, this is so easy. Why haven't I ever seen this before? But when I got to the leopard, I didn't know for sure where to go. So I was praying. I was asking God to help me. And I kept feeling like perhaps the leopard was Germany, but I couldn't prove anything. And so I asked the Lord to show me. Well, I had an incredible experience. Now, before I tell you about it, let me say this had never happened to me before. It has never happened to me since. It was a one-time experience. But I was holding a meeting in Melville, Louisiana, uh, way back in the uh, late 60s. And I awoke on Monday morning. It was my day off. And a voice spoke to me, not out loud, but in my mind, a really strong impression and said, I've got something I want to show you. Go buy a newspaper. And I thought, well, this is really odd. But the impression was so powerful. I quickly got out of bed, got myself together a little bit. I went outside and asked the lady cleaning the church, where can I buy a newspaper? Well, Melville's such a little place. She didn't even know. She said, you know, maybe uh, down here at the cafe. That's the only place I can think of. So I jumped in my car, went to the cafe, and I was so sure God had talked to me that I walked in. And sure enough, there was a little paper machine. I put my money in. I pulled out the newspaper. And even though I wasn't there to eat, I stood right there in front of the machine and looked at the headline. And I was stunned by what I saw. It said, Germany sells leopard tanks to the Netherlands. Well, I knew we had a, a plane called an Eagle Fighter after our symbol. And I thought, oh, so that's the key. So I went ahead to learn more about the leopard. And shortly thereafter, I came across this article. This article was from the German Tribune. This was February 20, 1975. Great future for the leopard. And it had all about this leopard tank. I come to learn that the leopard is the world's number one tank. It makes up the heart 
of the armies of NATO, and it is so superior that the United States actually made its tank so all the parts are interchangeable between the Leopard tank and our tank presently. So I saw that God was telling me uh, this is uh, Germany. This is the leopard. But I had to ask myself, well, does the rest fit? Because the prophecy also says that dominion was given to the leopard. And I thought, well, what nation in the last 120 years has actually had dominion? And it occurred to me that there's one nation that started the last three major wars. The Franco-German War of 1870. World War I, 1914 through 1918. World War II, 1939 through 1945. Can you believe they were all plotted, planned, and started by the same nation? Germany, so dominion given to the leopard. And it was around this time that I came across another article. This is Newsweek magazine, April 9 of 1984. And there's an entire section of Newsweek that particular week that was devoted to Europe. But they had a section within this feature story called the German malady. There was all kinds of questions. Why does Germany always make war? How can we fix this inside the German psyche, inside the German soul? Well, listen to this paragraph. Since the time of Charlemagne, he's the founder of the Holy Roman Empire in 800 AD. Since the time of Charlemagne, the area that is now Germany has been the pivot of European history. If you study the Holy Roman Empire, Germany is always right there at the center. And notice what it says now. In the past 120 years, the Germans have dominated Europe intellectually, industrially, and militarily. That word dominated, dominion, was given to the leopard. And that's when I realized, oh, this is the answer. As a matter of fact, do you know that Adolf Hitler almost conquered the world? Many people think he was a mere three days away from ruling all of Europe. Let me tell you what happened. The powerful German blitzkrieg attack was moving against the Allied forces and it had them in a pincher movement against the English Channel. It was grinding our soldiers to mincemeat. And if something didn't happen, according to the rise and fall of the Third Reich, we would have had to sue for peace on Hitler's terms within three days. It, the situation was so dire that Winston Churchill, the leader of Great Britain, call for a worldwide day of prayer and fasting. This is an amazing thing that happened because, let me tell you about it. During this time of prayer and fasting, something said to Adolf Hitler back at command headquarters, back at his command bunker, uh, this is happening too easy. You must be falling into a trap. And so he called all of his leaders off the field and said, come back for consultation. They were livid with anger. They knew they had the victory. But go back, they must. They went back. And after due consultation, Hitler said, well, I guess everything's all right. All right, let's resume. But what he didn't know was that during this time of consultation, they had mobilized every boat in Britain and in France. And back and forth across the English Channel, it's about 18 miles wide between France and Great Britain at that point. They went day and night, day and night, and they pulled out 350,000 Allied forces, the heart of the Allied army. And when Hitler cranked his war machine back up, there were only 40,000 soldiers left. And the heart of that army 
was safely in Great Britain, it lived to fight another day and to reinvade Europe at the invasion of Normandy. And that was the turning point of the war. It is such an incredible event that Winston Churchill actually called it a miracle. He called it the miracle of Dunkirk. As a matter of fact, we have a clip for you to see of this. I want you to listen to it right now. June 4th, 1940. The British Royal Navy completed an amazing eight-day evacuation of Allied forces from Dunkirk on the French coast. The 340,000 troops that were evacuated had been falling back as the German army moved through Belgium and France. The delay allowed the Royal Navy and a flotilla of commercial and pleasure boats, big and small, to evacuate the stranded men. This blunder may have cost Hitler the war. Winston Churchill called it a miracle of deliverance. Back from the hell that is Dunkirk, day and night the transports are steaming. And as one convoy returns, another is going over to take its place. Aboard the transport, the men are packed like sardines. But what does it matter? The tighter they're packed, the more they hold each other up. Well, there you have it. The miracle of Dunkirk. Now, back to the leopard. The four heads. This is different. The lion, one head. The bear, one head. But the leopard, four heads. Why? Now, we know that a beast in Bible prophecy always represents a nation or a ruler of that nation. But multiple heads on a beast represent the number of times that nation will rise and fall. How do I know that? Because in Revelation 17, there's a seven-headed beast, and it says there that there are seven kings. Five are fallen, one is, one is not yet come. Now, how does this fit Germany? Well, you probably know that there is the First Reich, the word Reich means kingdom, the Second Reich, Hitler's famous Third Reich, and the Fourth Reich, which is right now rising. There's actually a book written by an American called The Fourth and Richest Reich, How the Germans Conquered the Post-War World. So, the leopard has dominion. The leopard tank is the official tank of Germany. It has four heads. And, oh yes, there's one more thing about the leopard. It says on the back of the leopard were four wings of a fowl. I puzzled for years over this. What could that mean? Does it mean anything at all? But I thought surely it did because the eagle's wings on the lion, that meant something. So what about the wings of the fowl on the leopard? Well, I came across a piece of information that just absolutely amazed me. I found out that there's another nation in Europe whose official emblem is the fowl or the rooster. The nation of France's official emblem is the rooster. Have you heard of the Franco-German alliance? You can look it up, you can study about it. Because ever since World War II, France and Germany have worked together to rebuild Europe. And together they have built what today is the powerhouse of the world, the European Union. So this shows not only the German leopard, but the Franco-German alliance, the rooster with the leopard. Now, this was symbolized 
symbols used in 550 BC. And yet we couldn't understand this until the Franco-German alliance that emerged on the world scene after World War II. The prophecies of the Bible are absolutely incredible. That's all we can say about them. Well, now let's look at the last beast. And this may be the most important because in verse number seven, we learn, behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly. And it had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it had 10 horns. Now this beast, Daniel never could liken it to anything. He couldn't say it's like a leopard, it's like a lion, it's like a bear, it's like a hippopotamus. He couldn't say that. He said, this beast, I I can't say it's like anything, but I can tell you its dominant characteristic is this 10 horns that it has. So we have to ask the question, okay, what are the 10 horns? Well, we don't have to guess because verse 24 tells us exactly what these horns symbolize. And the 10 horns out of this kingdom are 10 kings that shall arise and another shall arise after them and he will be diverse or different from the first and he shall subdue three kings. So one beast, one nation or power, but 10 kings. Apparently this is an alliance, a federation of sorts. We learn more about this in Revelation 17 because the picture's there as well. Uh, In Revelation 17, verse number 12, and the 10 horns which thou sawest are 10 kings. Same thing. Which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. Who is the beast here? It's referring to the last day dictator, the Antichrist. So these are 10 kings that are going to subjugate themselves to the power of the Antichrist and support him. And they receive power as kings one hour with the Antichrist. It does not mean 60 minutes here. This is a figure of speech. It's saying a very short time. They are going to give their power to the Antichrist. They are going to support the Antichrist. And notice what else it says. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast, the Antichrist. And they will rule with the Antichrist all the way to the second coming of Jesus Christ because the passage goes on to say, these shall make war with the Lamb. Who is the Lamb? We know Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And then it states that the Lamb shall overcome them For he is Lord of lords and he is king of kings. Now, what does this tell us then? This tells us that the Antichrist and these 10 kings will rule all the way up to the time of the second coming. And when Jesus comes back, they're going to actually fight against him. This is depicting the battle of Armageddon. Now, there's one more very important thing here that all of us need to get. Notice it says that when the lamb comes to fight against the Antichrist and his end end time one world government, that he will have people with him. They that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Now, this is where you and me come in. And we need to really understand this because if you're not with Jesus when he comes back, that means you have missed the rapture. And we don't want anybody to do that. Now, the qualification for being with him when he comes back, notice it says they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Now, frankly, everyone is called. The Bible says time and chance happens to all. But the scripture also tells us 
Many are called, but few are chosen. What's the difference between being called by God and being chosen? We have an example in the Bible. Many times Jesus would call people and they'd say, well, I, I can't do it right now. I've just got married. I bought a business. I've got my father died. I've got to go bury my father. And Jesus would always say, let the dead bury their dead. You come follow me. So when we're called, we have to make the decision that we will follow Jesus Christ and make him the Lord of our lives. So that's qualification number two. But then there's one more. Some people are called and chosen but they're not faithful. The Bible says, if we in, are faithful unto death, then he will give us a crown of life. So once you follow Jesus Christ, the Bible says if a person puts his hand to the plow and looks back, he's not fit for the kingdom. So when Jesus comes back, they that are with him are going to be called and chosen and faithful. I certainly want to be among that number. I'm sure that you do as well. Okay, now there's one other thing about these ten horns that will help us to understand who they are. In Daniel chapter 2 verse 44, it also refers to these last ten kings, but it symbolizes them in a totally different way. It says there in verse 44, and this is at the end of the Daniel image prophecy, the head of gold, arms and breasts of silver, belly and thighs of brass, legs of iron, feet of iron mingled with clay. Now, the feet of iron mingled with clay represent the Holy Roman Empire. The legs of iron are the Roman Empire. But the feet of iron mingled with clay depict the Holy Roman Empire born in 800 A.D. And notice that the ten toes of this kingdom are also of iron mingled with clay. And the Bible says here in verse 44 of Daniel 2, And the days of these kings, what kings? The ten kings symbolized by the ten toes. It's the same ten kings as the ten kings that are going to make war against Jesus Christ when he comes. Because it says right here, And in the days of these ten kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. It's the exact same prophecy. In the days of these kings, the kingdom will not be left to other people, but the kingdom of God shall break in pieces and consume all these kings, and it shall stand forever. Now, from this verse, we know that the ten-horned kingdom will be the revival of the Holy Roman Empire from Europe. That's where the Holy Roman Empire has always been from. And we also are going to find out something else very interesting. So remember, the feet and toes of iron mingled with clay symbolize the Holy Roman Empire. And they are the same thing as the ten horns of the beast in Daniel chapter number 7. And that tells us something that's very important. That tells us about the Holy Roman Empire. Now, you need to know that the Holy Roman Empire is being reborn right now. You can see here a map of Europe because the Holy Roman Empire has always ruled in the area of Europe. Germany is almost always the heart of it. France is usually involved. Italy is always there. Most of the time in the Holy Roman Empire, it has been a political leader from Europe and a spiritual leader every time from Italy, from the Vatican. And they have put their power together to establish the Holy Roman Empire. Now, a lot of people think that the Holy Roman Empire ceased to exist in 1806 A.D. Well, it did temporarily, but the Bible prophesies it will be in existence at the time of the second coming, and the ten toes of iron mingled with clay, the ten horns, are going to be the power base of the Antichrist. Well, guess what? The Holy Roman Empire is being reborn in our world right now. With the common market in 1957 and then the European Union in 1993, 
Europe has now gone together. 27 nations have joined together. They have 500 million people. They are totally unified economically. They now have one money, the euro, and they're soon to have a European president of their own uh, projected for the times just ahead of us. So you are watching the rebirth of the Holy Roman Empire because soon from that rebirth will emerge the Antichrist and the false prophet. Back to verse number 24. Something else I want you to notice about this ten-horned kingdom. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise. And notice what it says. And that another shall arise after them. After the ten. Another's going to come up. He will be different from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. In the vision, Daniel saw this horn come up and actually uproot three of the kings. So this is going to be a special sign as to the identity of the Antichrist. He's going to come up. He's going to uproot three kings, and he's going to become very great. He himself will become the Antichrist. Now notice in verse number 21 of Daniel 7, And I beheld in the same horn that came up and waxed great, it made war with the saints and prevailed against them. You're seeing here the great tribulation. And this lasted, this started, the great tribulation begins three and a half years before Armageddon, and it continues until the second coming of Jesus Christ. He said he prevailed against them until the ancient of days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And then the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. So we know all this will occur right before the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Antichrist will rule during the Great Tribulation, that three and one half year period uh, during that time until Jesus Christ, the Ancient of Days, comes. And when he comes, the Antichrist and his religious partner, the false prophet, will be destroyed and the kingdom will come over to the people, the saints of the Most High. Notice one more thing. Verse 23, thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse, different from all kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth. This is a prophecy of a one world governmental system. It's going to tread it down. It's going to break it in pieces. This is the prophecy that a world government, which we're watching happen right now, that there is a world government under the guise of globalization. You are watching the birth of the new world order, the one world government, and we're going to learn a lot more about that in the next segment that's coming up. But this is what the prophecy is all about. It's the prophecy of one world government. There's another explicit prophecy like it in Revelation chapter number 13. But this world government is going to take place and it's going to end up devouring the whole world. Now, that lies ahead, and it's going to happen. It is inevitable. That's the bad news. Now, for the good news. Verse number 27. And the kingdom and dominion and greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. How, it's going, how is it going to happen? Well, what's going to happen is this. The Antichrist will launch his last invasion of the nation of Israel. It's called Armageddon. Zechariah 14, 2 says, I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And Israel's going to be on the ropes. Those poor Israeli soldiers will have fought for days. The invasion will happen in northern Israel. And then the world government Antichrist armies will fight their way down through the nation of Israel. And Israel's falling back, back, back. This 
coalition between Iran and Russia will lead the world government forces against Israel. And it's going to look like Israel is going to be wiped off the map, just like many people have called for recently. But just when those Jewish soldiers are bone weary and don't think they can go any further, I'm sure it's going to happen something like this. They're going to look down at their ammunition boxes and they're going to say, Messiah, I mean, they're right across from the Mount of Olives here. And they know the Messiah is supposed to come back to the Mount of Olives. And I can see them looking up to that mountain saying, Messiah, we're about done here. And if you're ever going to come, you need to come right now. And just when it looks like defeat is imminent, the Bible says the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. It is going to be absolutely incredible. Jesus Christ is going to come, and that's when the Antichrist is going to put down, and we're going to crown Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, and we're going to rule and reign with him forever and forever. On that topic, U.S. discovered in the Bible. There's one thing that I thought he got into that I have to admit I wasn't paying real close attention. I was doing some other stuff, getting some notes ready. He didn't come to this, so you have to understand this series that we're watching was filmed in about 2009, 2010. And so prophecy will, as time rolls on, um, it's like when one of the things that he mentioned, um, Daniel wrote all of these things down that, that the Holy Ghost had given him, and he didn't understand it. And remember, he, he prayed to understand it, and God said, "Go by." An angel came down and said, "Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are sealed up until the time of the end." And now that we're in the middle of that, and I'll talk in just a little bit about where I think we are on the time frame, if you want to go to Matthew 24 while I'm getting there. Um, as Now that we are in the middle of prophecy, it's being revealed as we go through it. Now we can, it's prophecy, so we can see ahead, but like up until, oh boy, I've got to be careful what I say because I'm on certain platforms. Um, about three years ago, when they started rolling out certain shots in the arm, I'm not sure how else to refer to it, because it's going to end up on YouTube, and I'll get deplatformed. Um, you know the shot I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, until that point, we really didn't know how the mark of the beast would be rolled out. And I'm not, the co, the Pokemon is not um, the mark of the beast. Having said that, it is 100% a precursor to the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is described in Revelation 13, um, the last two or three verses of it. And uh, it says, no man will be able to buy or sell unless he has the mark of the beast. And it says that it will be in your right hand or in your forehead. Um, so now we understand a little bit better about what that mark is going to look like. And one of the things in my notes, and I'll probably get to it later, but 
there's a couple of things that I've been stirring around in my mind. Um, the other night after everybody went to bed, I sat in that chair in the dark. I just had all the lights off. That way my mind isn't so distracted. And um, if you look in, I believe it's Revelation 9, it's the sixth trumpet. We've, we'll get to it through these lessons. But the seven trumpets um, will prove conclusively that we are through five of them. And so we're waiting on the sixth trumpet. The sixth trumpet in Revelation 9 talks about a war that kills one-third of the human race. And the, the specificity of it that, uh, that I'm on is it says that it will happen on an hour, a day. Uh, four angels are bound in the great river Euphrates. Um, when they're loosed, they will kill one-third of the human race, but they will be loosed at an hour, a day, a month, and a year. So to me, that is a very specific time, and I'm trying to kind of put in my head when I what I think that that's trying to tell us as far as um, what marker to be looking for, maybe. Um, now, most people under the sound of my voice, I don't want anybody to get too alarmed by that. We can tell by Scripture, and we'll get into it as we get to that lesson. There's a specific lesson on that. Um, we know... That will happen before the Antichrist is revealed. It has to on the prophetic time clock. It could happen. It could be the next thing that happens, or the peace agreement between Palestinians and Israelis could be next. It has to. We don't know which one's going to be first of those two, but the six trumpet war has to happen before the Antichrist is revealed. When the Antichrist is revealed, there's six scriptures that tell us that there will be three and a half years left at that point in time, until the second coming, um, the, the rapture and the second coming. So this war that I'm talking about would happen before the Antichrist is revealed. So it could happen in the first half of the final seven years, or it could happen before the final seven years begins. But it's, it's for an hour, a day, a month, and a year. And, you know, one of the things that Catelyn and Brittany and I and and the kids have, have kind of, through our journey in the last year and a half or so, we've learned to really pay attention to what Scripture is saying. When Scripture is, Scripture is very specific on things it's trying to tell you. Um, and some of that stuff I'm not going to get into on this platform. It's, it's for a different platform. But there's a lot of things that, we need to slow down and figure out what Scripture is saying. Well, I think this hour, day, month, and a year is telling us something. And I'm not putting my finger on it yet. Um, it's something that I'm, I'm praying about and, and see if I can kind of put my thumb on it. But um, if you go to Matthew 24, I would say about verse 7, 8, 9, it's talking about what he calls the beginning of sorrows. Does anybody have that in front of them? You got it? Can you read it? Is that okay? Or do you want me to pull it up? You want... It. What's, what's verse 7? It's talking about um, 
There will be wars and rumors. To see, their nation will come against nation. It says, For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Okay. And it says, But the end is not yet. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Is eight. Does it say the end is not yet? Nine or ten, it'll say, But the end is not yet. So we haven't started the, the, the final seven years yet, it's what it's saying. But it's talking about kingdom against kingdom. That is country against country. But um, nation against nation, if you look up the root of the word that they translated there, it actually means ethnicity, so race against race. So country against country, race against race. Well, are we seeing that now? We're seeing all, all kinds of that now. Um, famines, they're talking about manufactured, well, they're not calling it manufactured famines, but they are manufacturing famines by the simpl simplicity of these nonsensical wars that they're having that are blocking um, the distribution of fertilizer and grains and things of that nature with Russia and Ukraine. Um, they're purposely taking farmland from farmers in Europe, so there's not going to be an excess crop to give, the, it's the third world countries that get our excess crop that keeps those countries from having famines. Um, so it's all, that's all manufactured. Um, pestilences, if you look up the word pestilence in the dictionary, it actually means a viral disease or pandemic. Well, have we had one of those lately? About three years ago. But it says, in my opinion, it says Pandemics, that's what you just read, right? So that means there's going to be more than one. Well, they're talking about cooking up another one right now as we speak. They're calling it, I don't know, something X, virus X or something of that nature. Well, and I'd say there has been others in the past, right? Well, but this is talking about kind of right in this wrapping up time frame is what this is referring to. So I don't want to mention it by name, but the one that we went through a couple of years ago would definitely, we shut down the entire world for what? But I don't want to get too far into it um, because of the platforms we're on. I believe there's another one coming. Obviously, there's another election right around the corner, so I think there's probably another one that they're cooking up. They've got to figure out how to put the mask on your face, put Biden in the basement, and get a ballot in your mailbox. That's, that's kind of the, the end result of that. And um, so that's where I believe we are right now. We're still in the, I think we're still in the beginning of sorrows. Verse and 14 was the one you were looking for. Go ahead. 13 and 14 is what you were looking for. Where go ahead. About the end shall come. Go ahead. Um, where did you leave off, Haley? I think I only read... Nine. Okay. Oh, no, I read seven and eight. Okay, and then verse nine. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And ten says, Then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Eleven. Many false prophets shall rise, shall deceive many. Twelve. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Thirteen. But he shall endure until the end, the same shall be, he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. And then 14 says, 
And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all of the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Fifteen. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation. And so it instantly goes into the final three spoken and a half years. Of by Daniel the prophet. Stand in the holy place. That's when the Antichrist will stand in the temple claiming to be God. So the the um, beginning of sorrows kind of will lead us into that end time. That's what the scriptures kind of appears to be pointing out. Um So I want to go back to this. He kind of left it. So I've said all that. Um, prophecy is being revealed to us as we move along. One of the things that Irvin Baxter taught for some time, he kind of left it off as the U.S. discovered in the Bible, but didn't really talk about um, the future of the U.S. If we go to Revelation 12, 14, it talks about um, the, the very beginning of the great tribulation the final three and one half years it is satan's wrath people will tell you it's god's wrath it is not it is satan's wrath revelation 12 will tell us that does anybody have that handy word i don't have my phone with me do i no nope. do you have that you've got a good old print yeah revelation 12 um can you find a verse around 10 or so that says here what and there was a and there was a 10 and there was a war in heaven is where i want to start start at seven haley seven yeah girl. and there was a war in heaven michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not neither was their place found anymore in heaven and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Is that 13? That was 9. 9. Was Keep going. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Unto the death. Therefore rejoice, rejoice, ye heavens and ye that dwelleth in them. Woe to the inhabitants. And right here is where it talks about. Go ahead. And woe be to the inhabitants. What version are you reading? Do you know? Is it KJV? Okay. Therefore rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you. Here's where it tells you that it's Satan's wrath, and it's the final three and a half years. Satan comes down to you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. What nation brought forth the man-child? The nation of Israel brought forth Jesus Christ. So Satan is going to realize that he is now cast down to the earth. Satan knows scripture. He knows when he's cast down to the earth that he's only got three and a half years left. 
And if he can't do anything to God in heaven and do anything to poke and prod God, and he's stuck down on the earth, he's going to go after God's chosen people. And that's in two forms, the Israelis, the Jews, and the Christians. So he's going to heavily come after the Jews and the Christians. You may have learned from this lesson that the Antichrist will come out of the Holy Roman Empire, which will be out of Europe. We're going to get into a couple of lessons in that in the near future, but um, so the Antichrist is heavily going to be have his thumb on the nations of Europe and every nation that he can. But this next verse, I have to put on glasses on top of my glasses so I can see. I call it six eyes. <laughs> six eyes. Or blind. Six eyes blind. Now here's where we see where the U.S. is mentioned in prophetically, for, for us prophecy in the Bible. And to the woman, and remember the woman is the nation of Israel, so it's talking, talking about this final three and a half years, and I'll prove it here in just a couple of verses. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle. What nation symbol are we? We're the eagle. That she might fly into the wilderness into her place. Her place is her promised land. Where she is nourished for a time, times, and a half a time from the face of the serpent. So a time is one year, Times is two years, and a half a time is a half a year. So three and one half years. And we're going to get into the other five scriptures that prove that. But um, right there it shows that the final three and one half years, the United States will be protecting Israel from the face of the serpent. Now, I'm not casting a vote in any one way or the other, but... Um, when Donald Trump was in the White House, did the United States have a tendency to really side with Israel at that time? Yeah, heavily. We moved our embassy to Jerusalem, and nobody else had the guts to do it. And he took a lot of heat for doing it, if you remember that. We already had a, um, we already had a building there as a consulate, but it had built, been built to be an embassy, so he simply just moved everything and made that the embassy did some upgrades to it for security reasons and stuff, but um, he started the Abraham Accords. Now, had he gotten the full peace agreement, and the peace agreement that Donald Trump laid out, I've got it in the studio set, it matches what we know, the, final, the peace agreement that will mark the beginning of the final seven years, the peace agreement that he laid out would fit that to a T. So had Donald Trump accomplished his peace agreement and fulfilled all of that to the conclusion of all of the things needed to fulfill scripture, the main one being the rebuilding of the third temple. Had he accomplished that, we would have started the final seven years already. So, I mean, everybody may not be happy with who we have in the White House, but one thing is for sure, God has given us a little extra time. Because as soon as we sign that peace agreement, and we're going to go over that in future lessons, but the, in Daniel 9.27, it says that when the peace agreement is signed, we will start the final seven years to the Battle of Armageddon. It is the very first prophecy for our time frame, for our age. It's the very first prophecy that, that tells us exactly now where we stand. As soon as that peace agreement is signed, that allows for certain things, the building of the temple and a few things, put a yardstick in the ground because we have seven years left. 
halfway through that final seven years, at the three and a half year point, Satan, the Antichrist, will stand in the temple of God, claiming to be God, and at that moment forward, there will be three and a half years left, and we will go into the Great Tribulation, and ending with the rapture and um, the second coming of Christ. So that's a big one to watch out for. That will be the greatest prophetic fulfillment in 2,000 years. We will know as soon as the peace agreement is signed. When the Sixth Trumpet War happens, it, I don't know which side of the peace agreement that happens, but if it happens before, we won't necessarily know where we stand exactly. We just will simply know at that time that the peace agreement is next. But And that's a lot of information that I'm giving you, but we're going to walk through all this, and you'll know this hopefully inside and out. So the U.S. is in specified in Revelation 12:14. And he talked a little bit tonight about the, the beast in Revelation 13, that combo beast, the, the ten-horned beast with four heads of the leopard and, and the feet of the bear and the mouth of the lion and the ten horns of the ten-horned kingdom. If you notice in that beast, the one thing that is missing is the United States. Did he mention that tonight in the video? The United States is missing in that picture of that beast. And that's in the first two or three verses of Revelation 13. Well, that's a good thing because that beast is the one world government that the Antichrist will, will assume control of when he steps into power. The one horn. The one horn that will uproot three and wax great. So it'll be an eleventh horn that comes up and uproots three. Um, another description that we'll, we will learn later in this series is um, one of the one of the descriptions that we have in other scripture about this one world government beast is that it's a scarlet colored beast. Well, what flags typically have red in them? Flags of communism, um, uh, China, Russia, anything, a lot of your socialist countries will have a lot of red in their flag. So it's simply a spirit of, communism is, is a spirit and that is symbolized in scripture as uh, scarlet or red. So it tells us, I think it's in, I want to say it's in chapter 18 of Revelation, but it talks about a, it's a scarlet colored beast. And we'll get into who's writing on that beast, um, who's supporting that. And it talks about it being the false prophet. We'll get into that in another, in another scripture. Um, one of the things though, uh, when Trump, when Trump, Lost the when Trump um, <laughs> when 2020 happened <laughs> and the installed uh, member of the White House now is there. There was a a lot of wondering of what would happen to the Abraham Accords and the peace agreement. Saudi Arabia and Israel have kind of picked up on their own and they are pushing forward with this peace agreement. So just because Biden isn't really pushing it out in the open and um, making it public, it is still happening. There's still a lot going on with the peace agreement. They could get it done. Um, they could get it done. And one of the things the scripture tells us is that it, it says that the, he will, it's talking about the Antichrist. Daniel 9.27 says that he will confirm the covenant with many. So there's going to be several people on this world stage taking credit for this peace agreement once it happens because they've been trying to get it done for 60 years. So... Um, but scripture says 
that the Antichrist will be in that group of people helping to get the peace agreement done. We won't necessarily know who he is at that time, but if we look at that group of people, one of them is going to wax great in a few years and um, in about three and a half years from then and end up being the Antichrist. And I want you to take special note. Don't you find it funny that when Satan is cast down to the earth and he's stuck on the earth, at the exact same moment, the, the mortal, the human being, steps into the temple and claims to be God. I think, that, I think it's highly likely, in fact probable, that Satan will, in fact, possess the body of what we call the Antichrist. When I first kind of thought about that, when I first came to that realization that that was likely, I wanted to see if there was any other scripture that would back up Satan himself possessing somebody to get the job done. And he possessed the body of Judas to betray Jesus. Jesus told, was it John that had his head on Jesus' bosom and he said, tell me who's going to betray you? And he said, it's, it's the one that I give the sop to. I will give him the sop. And scripture said, Jesus gave him the sop. And the very next thing it says is, Satan entered him. And Jesus looked at him and he said, and I believe he was looking at Satan, and he said, what you do, do quickly. What you must do, do it quickly. Do what thou will. Do what thou will. He had to be crucified on time. Everything happens on God's time clock. He had to be the Passover lamb, the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Satan took that. He didn't take anything for chance. He wanted to know that Christ would be betrayed and crucified. And he personally inhabited the body of Judas to get the job done. I personally believe that he is going to possess the body of the Antichrist because he's going to use that personage to go and do his best to crucify Christians and Jews in the final three and a half years. Are there any questions about it? Okay. Yes. I know she's got lots. I think they might be later questions. Later questions? Okay. And this is very informal. We can talk about whatever Hey, Caden, yeah. you want to 